Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and today we are so pleased to have Scott Schutte back on the podcast with us. Scott has had many, many years of leadership experience in the produce retail space, including at the VP level, and he just brings excellent perspective every time we talk. And we actually got to talk in person not too long ago. Scott was so kind as to visit stores with me when I was in the Phoenix area for work. And we checked out five different locations. So we were at Cardenas, Trader Joe's, Fry's, Whole Foods, and Sprouts. And Scott, we had just a few takeaways from that experience. Yeah, we had a few. We could probably write a book or two on some of those experiences if we dug in a little bit deeper. But we had some uh, pretty great topics to talk about. In fact, I think we're going to have to divide and conquer a little bit on the many different topics that we came up with and that we uh, had for great conversation one-on-one. Absolutely. And I know one of the ones that you mentioned was space allocation, which of course is broad. We could go a lot of directions with this, but what was in your mind when you wrote that down as, as one that that popped out to you as we were, we were checking out stores? Well, space allocation is one of those that's uh, kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, you want to make sure that uh, when you're you're operating your own organization that your stores are following the proper space allocation for each of those items. And one of the things that really got me going was um, seeing the first and the second store that we stopped at and noticing that the first store that we walked into, the iceberg headlights display was 14 wide on the display. So it was a pretty sizable iceberg lettuce display. It took up a good chunk of real estate on the wet rack, but 14 heads of iceberg lettuce wide that display was. The very next store that uh, we stopped in, uh, kind of a complete opposite experience. Uh, Iceberg head lettuce display was only four iceberg lettuces wide. And so there were some obvious differences in the volume of those two different stores, but <clears throat> there was probably an area of opportunity for adjustment on the space allocation because uh, the first store, I think, was a little bit overboard, maybe a little bit extreme, maybe too much product on the shelf, and a good strong possibility of causing some additional food waste just because of the amount of product that was on the shelf. So. I think it's interesting, even even how we talk about because because you always say food waste, but of course the the term you hear a lot in the industry is shrink. And I thought even even saying out loud food waste versus saying out loud shrink. I wonder if that's something that could even be you know like a cultural thing within retail. If that's a point of emphasis, you know, for your chain of stores, like to to really talk about it as food waste rather than shrink this thing that we're concerned about mainly for the balance sheet and margin purposes, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. A very valid point for you to uh, to mention. And I'll be honest with you, um, when you do have a career and you do have that job down in, in retail, in the trenches, um, you get a little bit blind to the amount of product that gets thrown out. And you definitely don't think of it as food waste. You think of it as the normal. This is just the normal day in the life of, of working a wet rack and the amount of product I throw away off of the wet rack every day or a normal day in the life of, of culling through the berry case and how much product is food wasted or shrunk shrink out of the berry case. And you get a little bit blind to those quantities and those cases of product and those pallets of product and the tonnage of product that actually gets thrown out the back door instead of going out the front door with the customer. So it is nice to be able to look at it in a, uh, a different light 
and especially label it or brand it different because it's uh, ultimately at the end of the day, a food waste opportunity to be able to take care of. And at the end of the day, at the end of the month, it's a shrink opportunity that uh, really helps your P&L out. So great, great analogy and great way to look at it. Well, and and I'm sure as as you've experienced being being a you know a, a leader on the produce in the produce retail space, it the shrink or food waste is something you probably have to tackle from a lot of different angles, right? Everything from what kind of fixtures are you using? Like, are, is it easy to dummy things up and make it where you have less product, you know, out there to start with? You know, what are the relationships like with with food banks, and what does that supply chain look like where they can take some of those things? And then something that you pointed out as we were visiting stores is if, you know, the the produce department at the store level, when you have a good relationship with your meat department or your deli department, your prepared food foods folks, um, all of all of those things that may be just not quite nice enough to continue to be on the shelf, but they're perfectly fine for going into something that's being prepared then having those relationships is another way to use use that product. So it's not certainly not necessarily easy to address, but there's lots of different avenues if you kind of have somebody assigned to it and can sort of paint the big picture and get everybody on board, it sounds like. And that's going to be a great topic for a future podcast and for us to talk about those important relationships, the repurpose program and being able to try to get hundred um, percent, you know, life out of product in the department. And if you can't, how can one of those other departments benefit from it ultimately and help the P&L of the entire store, the four walls of the store, rather than just the produce department. So that'll be a fun and exciting topic of conversation on a, a future podcast for us. I did want to bring up, um, other than the head lettuce display, what really got me thinking about space allocation um, was seeing a lot of the same items from a category uh, given the same amount of space. So in other words, a, a great example, one of the retailers that we visited uh, believed that uh, all apples are created equally. And every single apple that they had, and I believe there was uh, 11 different apples that they had for sale, all had the same exact space allocation on the retail display. Um, and we know that uh, facts are the facts that, you know, probably their best selling apple at this time of year uh, might still be the Honeycrisp or a Fuji or a Pink Lady. And probably the slowest selling apple might be the old Red Delicious Apple or the Golden Delicious Apple. But yet um, all sizes of those displays were exactly alike. They all had the same amount of product on the shelf. Um, they all occupied the same amount of space. Um, but I'm a firm believer in opportunity is to have a little bit smaller of a display on that red delicious and gold delicious of the world and expand a little bit and open up and uh, beef up that uh, Honeycrisp Apple or the, the Pink Lady or the Fuji display and give them a little bit more real estate and hopefully watch your sales go up and your food waste or your shrink on the golden delicious and the red delicious go down a little bit. So definitely saw an opportunity there. Uh, I know I saw another opportunity in some of the berry displays out there. Um, really nice looking berry displays, but <clears throat> when it gets down to it and you're getting technical and you're looking at the size of each of those berry displays, you have to really realize blackberries are not the most popular berry out there. They're not going in almost every customer cart. The berry that's going into every customer cart is a strawberry. It's a customer favorite. It's a, it's a proven winner. 
But the big question that came up was, why was the strawberry display the same size as the BlackBerry display? And so space allocation really became a question mark in some of those areas that we were, we were visiting. Um, in each of the different formats and each of the different stores, they all had some opportunity to adjust. And some of them had some really great examples on, you know, the size of the display was in proportion to how popular the particular item is. And they were making a great effort to not only get maximum sales out of some of those items, but they were making a really good, strong effort to not create additional food waste or shrink by having a display that was too big. Um, my guess is that some of those stores are getting probably a little or a lot of help from technology. And they have a fresh operating system in place that most likely tells them what their purchases are, you know, how many cases of strawberries they're bringing in versus how many cases of strawberries are going out the front door and even possibly giving them, you know, an idea of what their food waste ratio is on the strawberry, along with the same thing on the blackberries. And obviously pointing out to them that all berries are not created equal and the strawberries are quite a bit more powerful than the blackberry and probably giving them some, some technical insight on making sure that that strawberry display is twice as big as the back blackberry display. And so I think we saw a lot of uh, good things and we did see a handful of opportunities with uh, space allocation. Well, cause I know another, another thing that we talked about a little bit in terms of the, the space being allocated was fresh cut or bagged salads. Uh, we, we saw a, a huge variety across the stores that we visited and how much space was devoted there. And, and some of that, of course, is due to a, another topic for a future podcast, which you mentioned, which was, you know, merchandising based on the demographics for that specific store, because it's going to be different based on the banner. It's going to be different based on this neighborhood versus the neighborhood 10 minutes down the street. You know, so that plays into it too. But that was another area that that we we noticed as we were visiting those places. Yeah, that one became real obvious to us, and it could be a, a another addition to the equation um, of just being maybe outdated and maybe stuck in the groove for a little bit too long, and to only have an eight foot section of value added packaged cut vegetables or packaged salads when all the other retailers that we visited were pretty close to thirty two feet or more of value-added cut, cut veggies and packaged salads, um, there might've been a big opportunity at that particular store with the much smaller set to kind of grow and develop and evolve a little bit into what the uh, consumer has demanded as being one of their favorite sections of the department over the last many years, especially the last couple of years with the pandemic. That value-added packaged salad section has been a big hit for two big reasons. One, the food safety reason of it, you know, it's all in a package sealed container. And two, the convenience factor of it. Um, it's fast and it's easy. And consumers these days are in a little bit more of a hurry to get in and out of a grocery store and seem to be gravitating to that section a little bit more. So of all times in our history, right now is probably one of the bigger ones to take advantage of value added, um, expand and grow that category, and then ultimately reap the benefits of it because it's a very, very strong category right now. Talking about that got me thinking in, in a little bit of a different direction, but related to this, because I was thinking, 
you know, a lot of times in in stores that are are servicing a, a neighborhood that might be a little bit on the lower income side, or that's that's kind of the shopper that they're looking at. I think sometimes those folks might think, um, well, you know, that's that's not really in my price point, or you know, I, I'd rather pay the 50, 50 cents less or a dollar less or however much it is, you know, to have the the product not prepared in advance. I wonder if there's some kind of structure that could be created because, you know, we've seen some of these like produce prescription programs and and some of these different things. And I'm I'm thinking in terms of like, well, wouldn't it be great, you know, if there was a way to to nudge people toward those things that made it easier for them to eat fruits and vegetables, that convenience aspect, um, because obviously in, in produce we're preaching to the choir in terms of, you know, when you spend more money on the things that are really good for you you're saving yourself money down the line in terms of all of the health complications and everything that can come up, you know, when you're not having, having produce as a, as a regular component of, of your diet, your lifestyle. I wonder if there would be a way to, um, you know, because like when you're thinking about health insurance and things and how those costs increase over time, it's like, you know, you, you would love if there was some kind of program where you could count, like you could get credit for the fact that you're investing in your long-term health. And you're going to be costing the insurance money a lot less in the long run. You know, that that just that popped to my mind. And I don't know if there's probably people working on something like that already. But I don't know, just uh, you talking about that and the, the value of those fresh cut items just kind of spurred that for me. Yeah. And to help out uh, with what you're saying a little bit more, uh, the retailer, I think, has a obligation to um, create a price structure, a retail price structure that is um, palatable with all the clientele that shops at that store. So to be able to offer a value to the consumer in that case is gonna be super important. Um, those uh, two for $5 deals or the $1.99 deals or some of those really attractive price points will help convert a lot of those shoppers over and, and let them give it a try. The other thing that the retailer can do to help out is to have the right assortment of items for sale in that display case. Um, so in some of those lower end markets, that might not be the best opportunity for a $4.99 package of organic arugula. Um, that's probably not an item that's going to work well. But I'll tell you what, that little 16 ounce garden salad packet that uh, is on sale all the time for 99 cents or has a, a promotion of a, a two for three or a $1.99 price point. Um, those would be the type of items that would be very attractful in that case and uh, cater to the exact clientele that's shopping there that's uh, looking for more of that type of item rather than the highest of high-end items like that $5 bag of arugula. So there's opportunity with the retailer for sure when it comes to price point and when it comes to item selection in that value-added salad case. That's a great point. And I know, Scott, another another kind of takeaway that you had mentioned from the, these visits as a whole was the the placement of, of promotional items. Well, what were some of the things that jumped to your mind um, in that regard? Well, I love what retailers are doing today. And it's a lot different than it was, you know, 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, they're leading with produce. They're, they're getting out of the gates at the front entrance of the store with fresh produce. And so they're making a huge statement for their entire store, not just the produce department, but they're making a, a freshness statement for their entire store when they lead with produce and they get produce out in the, in the front. Um, I get excited when I walk in and the first thing I see is produce because it starts my mind spinning on, you know, the what's for dinner or what can go with some of these cool, interesting items that are up for sale 
in the front lobby of the store, the front entrance of the store when you walk in. Um, I also get excited when um, that front entrance display of produce is not just the lost leader giveaway items that are in the ad. I think we had a good example of one of the retailers that um, was doing a big promotion on mini seedless watermelons. And so they had some mini seedless watermelons up there, but um, the display next to the mini seedless watermelon tied in great to that. And that was fresh cantaloupe at a regular retail price of, I believe it was a, a two for five price point. And I thought, what a great idea. You know, you're, you're promoting your, your anchor lead item, your feature item, your mini seedless watermelon. And as a retailer, you're probably not making a ton of money off of that because it's, a, it's the anchor feature item. But to flank it with a, a perfect accompaniment to fresh cut watermelon, uh, put that fresh cantaloupe right there and have the customer not just pick up a watermelon on their way in, but have them start building that, that fresh cut fruit bowl and add the cantaloupe to it and eventually work in a little bit farther with their grocery cart and run into that fresh berry display. And before you know it, you've not only sold that feature ad item, uh, you've actually built that basket up of, of produce fruit bowl type items. And um, you've got a sizable ring at the front register once they get through. Well, and, and we'll talk more about this in a future episode too, but when you're mentioning building the basket and, and the fruit bowl, right? Like how, I mean, easy might be a stretch, but how cool would it be to have the picture of the fruit bowl on each of these displays, right? You could even do something fun where you have like a little path, right? Like footprints to the fruit bowl throughout the store or like that may be a little, a little hokey or a little crazy, but no, we're gonna, all we're kinds gonna, of, you know. We're gonna have lots of fun with that future podcast because uh, what you're saying is exactly true. You have to do a good job as a retailer, not only as a merchandiser, but a marketer. And you've got to be able to plant the seed and kind of paint the picture for the customer so they understand how fast and easy it is and what a value it is to be able to put a lot of items together and not only build a big basket that goes through the front register, but uh, put that dinner menu together, or put that picnic menu together, simplify the process of having to hunt and search for all those right ingredients. You put it right in front of the customer and you help tie it in by you know, proper signage that tells the story and uh, gets a little bit more creativity going with that consumer shopping list rather than the items that they have written down. Um, they open up um, their minds a little bit to exploring other options and you can actually show them how easy it is to be able to do that. Awesome. Well, and speaking of meal inspiration, one of the categories that, that we discussed as, as we were looking at it at a couple of locations that we thought just maybe it just might be under merchandise is fresh herbs. I mean, anyone who cooks frequently knows like everything can taste so much better. And I didn't realize this before I got into produce and friends who cook more would say, oh yeah, use fresh rosemary or fresh thyme or, you know, whatever the case is. I'm like, oh, well, this this makes it taste so much better. I'll eat those turnips if I can do the fresh rosemary in this recipe. And, you know, it just opens up so many possibilities. But like, I I don't know what goes well with everything until unless somebody tells me or I see a specific recipe, right? So like that seems like an area that's you know just just ripe for leverage. 
Yeah, and what a uh, what a topic of discussion because ever since March 2020, the fresh herb category has been on fire, and it has showed growth year after year and continues to show growth because more and more consumers are cooking at home. They still haven't uh, gravitated back to their favorite restaurants. They're doing quite a bit more cooking at home still as of today. And they're cooking with fresh herbs. They're learning how easy it is to cook with fresh herbs. So you're right. There are a lot of merchandising opportunities that um, herbs can no longer be hidden in the department. And I know we saw in a number of the stores that the packaged herbs were probably the hardest item in the entire department to find. And it was kind of a needle in a haystack philosophy at some of the stores that um, that made them very difficult to find. We had a couple ideas. Um, we saw the herbs in almost the same location at most of the retailers. They were partnered up with the mushrooms or in a, a value-added refrigerated cold case. But most of them were on the very, very top shelf, way up high, uh, hard to see for the average shopper. And um, they deserved better shelf space and better shelf location. And when I say that, um, those weren't displayed at eye level. And I thought, what a great opportunity just to take those down a shelf and maybe flip-flop them with all the dehydrated herbs or the herb paste tubes, uh, the herbs that are processed that come already ready to go. And some of those other items that are probably less popular, let's move those to the top shelf and let's bring the shelf full of fresh packaged herbs down a level or so, get them a little bit more eye level and get them some more customer visibility. Um, I also started thinking of other opportunities. I know you just mentioned that uh, rosemary and how great that goes with, um, you know, making a, a prepared meal using turnips. Um, rosemary goes with a, a lot of other things in the produce department also. Um, there's other good examples like uh, that baby potato display and how great baby potatoes taste when they're baked and they're lightly sprinkled with uh, some fresh rosemary. And rosemary, coincidentally, has a pretty good strong shelf life. And so there is an opportunity for maybe a secondary herb display and that little side stack or, you know, that little uh, um, joint merchandising effort between the baby potatoes and maybe a row or two of, of packaged rosemary. I think we saw a bunch of great examples of what retailers are doing with packaged basil. And so packaged basil is not hidden up in that uh, herb shelf up top and hard for customers to see. There was a lot of retailers on our visits that were taking great advantage of the basil category and making a sizable statement with the uh, tomatoes and the entire tomato category. And so they had multiple different sizes of packaged basil and looked like they were doing a great job tying in basil to all the different many varieties of tomatoes that are out there. So again, another great opportunity to promote herbs other than just in the refrigerated uh, value added herb section of the department, kind of step out of the box a little bit and be able to cross merchandise herbs with other items in the produce department that uh, they might have a good tie in with. I also thought about uh, in my past career, taking packaged herbs like a, a poultry blend and being able to take that perishable refrigerated package of poultry blend and run a couple rows of that next to the fresh packaged chicken in the poultry case. 
So there's no there's no possibility of um, uh, contamination or any type of food safety issue. They're both packaged items. Um, they're both in refrigerated display cases, and they both really partner well for a customer to be able to see that packaged whole chicken or turkey side by side next to that package of a fresh poultry blend. And again, it kind of helps give them the the idea um, along with right on the back of most of those herb packages, there's a, a quick and easy recipe on how easy it is to prep and process and use fresh herbs in something like a roasted uh, whole chicken. And so there are good possibilities there outside of the department to tie in some of those fresh herbs. Again, why not? Herbs right now are still booming. It's one of the biggest growth categories in the department. Um, to your point earlier, we got to give the, the packaged herbs, the fresh herbs, and even the potted herbs that we saw in the stores. Uh, we got to give them a little bit more love and uh, a little bit more prime real estate and keep them going on the trend that they are. Well, because to your point on the on the real estate, it's like if somebody didn't have those in their basket already, probably 95% of people are not going to run into them and get them, right? How they're merchandised in most places right now. I would love to see what would happen if, if someone decided, you know what, we're going to, we're going to do an awareness campaign for our fresh herbs, because we think it will not only increase those sales, but increase, you know, cooking vegetables and, and all kinds of different items across our department. Wouldn't it be fun if someone decided to do that? And then in, you know, what you say, maybe six commodities each, each few weeks or something, right? You just have a little sign in the display that says, I'm even better with fresh thyme or fresh rosemary or fresh bait. Like Absolutely. I bet cool things would happen, you know? Well, one of the really coolest things that would happen is that you would get a lot of people that work in other departments, example, the meat department and the seafood department that would become huge fans of the produce department. You get a little fresh dill over into the seafood department and all of a sudden you're selling salmon like crazy. Uh, you get some of those other fresh herbs over into the meat department. Again, it's going to do nothing but help the sales of pork and red meat. And while well, every protein in the department has a great possibility to be upsold thanks to the help of, of herbs and herbs would be something that would help plant that seed earlier in the customer's shopping experience. The thing about herbs, and I know you mentioned it earlier, you don't have to be a gourmet chef or an executive chef to know how to cook with fresh herbs. Uh, a lot of the recipes that are out using fresh herbs right now, they're pretty basic and simple. And they're the addition of maybe some olive oil and that fresh herb. And that might be it uh, that goes with, you know, the other particular protein or, you know, in your case, a, a turnip or a rutabaga or something that is the main ingredient to that recipe. And they're not very complex. And one of the best kept secrets about fresh herbs is they really do last forever. And um, I say that because when you are done with them and you think you're done with them, there's a great opportunity to take those herbs, lay them out on a nice little wet piece of paper towel, fold them up, put them in a Ziploc bag and put them in your freezer. And uh, you'll have a frozen herb, won't be quite the same as that fresh herb, but they are fully usable the next time that you need to use something. And uh, you, you have a chance of probably zero food waste, but lots of tasty dinners there on after that might have a little bit of those leftover herbs for you to add as a uh, secret ingredient that the family will be asking you, what'd you put in this? This, this is great. So. Absolutely. Well, and, and to your point too, about 
you know, having something, a simple recipe that can still be really good. I mean, obviously part of the reason for going out to eat is you just don't want to cook. You don't want to do the dishes, but the other reason, at least for us, and like, I can't make, or I haven't before had success making it taste as good as it is when I go out somewhere. And I think fresh herbs are a big part of that, you know? And so if, if we can, you know, turn, flip the switch and, and show people how easy that can be. So my standard is if, if I can make that happen in the kitchen, then anybody can, because I'm very much the, like, I really want this preparation to be half an hour or less. I'm looking at like six or seven ingredients. Like, please don't make me run all over the store and, and, you know, stare into the spice rack with my bad eyesight and, and try and read the labels <laughs> for the right one that the recipe called for. Right. Well, Ashley, I think people. you have I think you have the future ingredients to another podcast. <laughs> I think there is some help from the marketing team and or maybe registered dietitian or nutritionist um, to be able to help out with some of those recipes and great, great cross merching ideas that uh, would be a great segue to a future podcast that would really help upsell fresh herbs, but every other ingredient that's going to go into that completed final dish. And help the total store out because at the end of the day, it's all about how big that basket is that's going out the front register and not just how much produce is in it, but how many other departments are involved in it and what the total dollar is as it goes out the front register of the store. And the bottom line is how much a customer is going to be satisfied and how excited they can, they're going to be and repeat visits will be almost easy when it comes next time for a shopping list to be created and for another shopping trip in your store, they're going to remember fresh herbs and the power of fresh herbs and what they can do with them and what they learn to be a very simple and easy process. So, yep. Great segue to future podcasts. I can see it already. Oh yeah. Well, in one more category that we'll talk about, that we'll talk about speaking of increasing the basket size overall um, I know you mentioned your wife has worked in floral for many years. And so as we were looking through some of these departments and checking out kind of the floral in relation to the produce and the layout of the overall store, I was thinking about how in the store that I usually shop here in the Kansas City area, you walk in and, you know, floral is right here in the front, but kind of off to the side. So then, you know, you go through produce, you go through the rest of the perimeter, maybe a little center store, and you get to the register. Well, at this point, as I'm coming up to the register, floral's over here on the other side of the register. So, you know, at the beginning of my shop, I'm not necessarily wanting to get, get flowers right away, right, and have them sit in the cart throughout the whole shop. But if they have them at the self-checkout where they've got the $5 bouquet right there at the self-checkout, I'm a lot more likely to say, Oh, yes, please. I actually will grab that, even though I wasn't thinking about it. So the placement of the floral department and opportunities at, at checkout and things like that, that was one of the things that stood out to me, too, while we were walking around. Yeah, great point. Um, floral is one of those categories where it's an impulse category. It's not a necessity category. Um, you could, if you had to, live without floral as being on your shopping list. So it's important to stick floral in front of customers and have it noticed, not off into the corner and not in the placement that I call the kiss of death. And that's at the end of the shopping experience on the other side of the registers at the front of the store on the customer's way out. And I've seen a lot of retailers that have done that and have not been very successful. 
Um, floral departments need to kind of smack you in the face when you come in the store. Uh, they need to kind of create that feeling of freshness that the produce does up front and plant that subliminal message on, do I possibly need floral? Can I treat myself? Is today the day to treat myself? Do I have an upcoming event or something that's special that's going on that's happening that I need, that I need floral? But I guess that doesn't mean that uh, all floral needs to be in that location. To your point, um, there's great satellite merchandising abilities with fresh floral. You mentioned one of my favorites as far as just being up by the front register uh, when you're getting ready to complete your shopping experience and go through the front register right before you go through that checkout lane. There's a small satellite display of uh, ready to go bouquets. Uh, might be a dozen roses mixed in with some mixed bouquets or some other type of maybe a, a feature floral bouquet item of the week, but a great last minute chance that kind of says to the customer, hey, you saw me twice inside the store already, but you didn't pick me up. Here's a, maybe a third chance for you to take notice. I'm here. I'm fresh. I'm ready to go for you. And uh, it's your last chance, by the way, to pick up floral before you leave. Prior to that, one of the other opportunities within the store for other satellite displays that I've seen work out very well is um, some of the affluent stores that do a great business in their wine department. Um, Cross-merchandising those same type of grab-and-go bouquets, you know, whether it's a dozen roses or the mixed bouquet of the week or whatever it might be, a wrapped bouquet of flowers positioned over in the wine department, uh, doesn't have to be a massive display, but big enough to make a statement, is a pretty quick and easy impulse item for the consumer that's going in to get a bottle of wine and headed over to somebody's house or uh, just sees the nice tie-in together of the wine department and the fresh floral department working together. One of the other big areas that I really like the floral department uh, in general to be partnered up with or merchandised with side by side and next to is the uh, the greeting cards and some of those uh, gifty areas of the department. Um, after all, you think of flowers as, uh, as a gift item. A lot of people give flowers and pass flowers on to, uh, to other people. A perfect tie-in is to be there with, you know, the inflated balloons and with the greeting cards and with some of the gift bags and the wrapping papers and those type of items that kind of make a one-stop shop for the fresh floral department and kind of make it easy for that customer to come in and shop one area of the store without having to go to all four corners of the store in search of the different parts of, you know, that gift that they're trying to buy. And it puts kind of a one-stop shop with tying the floral department into that other area of the store that seems to work out very well too. Customers love it. As I mentioned before, a lot of them are in a hurry. Uh, a lot of times for the floral department that that uh, bouquet of flowers is being purchased first thing in the morning before somebody goes to work. Maybe they have some birthday party at work or something that's going on at work they need a quick and easy gift for. Uh, maybe they're taking uh, the teacher at school a gift and they need that quick plant or something or their morning trip to the visit somebody in the hospital. But usually they wanna get in there and find the items that they're looking for and tie in a greeting card and a fast shopping experience on their way out to be able to get uh, that process done quickly. So the floral department off hidden in the dark corner or the floral department up in the front of the store behind you know, the cash registers after the transaction's done already, 
those are two tough areas of the store to hide the beauty of the floral department and to hide the impulse sales that the floral department brings to the entire store. They've got to be uh, positioned in a space where customers are able to easily find them. And hopefully there's other goodies that are tied in with them to make that uh, fast and easy for them. I love those comments on the secondary locations because I, I think just thinking about the occasions that people are shopping for in the store and then making floral part of those and, and planting it, no pun intended, in their mind at those different mm-hmm. places, it, it just makes all the sense in the world. Because like I said, where and I, I have seen it at quite a few stores, right? Where you get like that that real estate sort of opposite the produce department almost. And it, it is like, it's right there when you walk in. But then when you're walking up to the registers, you've got the registers between you and the flowers. And to your point, usually it's more of an impulse thing. It's not the like, oh crap, I'm out of butter. I have to go get the butter. Or I have to go get the salt type of thing where you get out of line and you go around and you come back. But at those moments where you're thinking about specifically, you know, what in your day this helps you accomplish or, you know, specific purposes, I mean, I think that makes a ton of sense. Another, I'm sure not traditional, you know, spot to maybe tie in, but I've just been thinking about, especially, you know, the pandemic, I think conversation about mental health became a lot bigger. So even like when you think about the pharmacy, like, is there a way to tie in? floral in the pharmacy and, you know, brighten your day, you know, mental, mental health, some of those kind of things that might be, again, depending on, right, like the, the store demographics, like the, the acceptance of populations in different areas to kind of those kind of themes or those kind of conversations, but even that could be an opportunity. You're scaring me, actually. We're thinking exactly alike <laughs> here, on the same exact page. And what I was getting ready to say, um, really, thanks to the pandemic, Back in March of 2020, um, I was really scared about the floral category and that I thought that uh, we were taking a major shift in buying habits with the consumer, meaning that the consumer would gravitate more to essentials, items that are needed, you know, the bread, the butter, the bananas, the milk, and stick to those basics and forget about items like floral that are not a necessity. You don't have to have them. And I really worried about the floral category. Well, like the herb category, the floral category has done nothing but flourish the last couple of years. Um, To your point, it's brought a lot of happiness and enjoyment to people's lives when we were going through some crummy parts of history in the last couple of years. Um, The floral department, to the best of my knowledge right now today, is still on fire. It's still doing very, very well. It's still outperforming the numbers of 2019. And uh, it's something that consumers are almost turning into a necessity. It's an important part for them and for their shopping experience to have the option for uh, being able to buy that uh, fresh plant or the fresh cut flowers or the fresh bouquet or the fresh arrangement for their, their centerpiece for their table, whatever it might be. It's still an item that's uh, very popular and is not going away anytime soon. It's got some great traction and there is great opportunity to find the right spot in the store to make sure that you've got the displays merchandised correctly at and really make the best of a great department. So the floral department, lots of sales, lots of margin dollars for the bottom line. Take advantage of that one for sure. 
Well, and, and you talking about floral is like you said, more of an impulse category, category, not something that people are like, oh, I absolutely can't live without this. But, you know, thinking about produce and, and floral all include in here, you know, more broadly thinking about, you know, marketing the, the category as a whole, I think about all these things in, in the daily lives of many Americans, right, that really are not essential, right? Like cable, mostly not essential, right? Like our smartphones versus the old brick phones, like not technically essential, maybe other than work, right? There's, there's a lot of things that, that we've, well, I I guess that these industries have been successful in convincing us that we have to have, right? right? And I wonder, I wonder kind of messaging broadly about fresh produce, right? Like even something like fresh flowers, um, where I can see where people get used to, right. They get used to buying those every week. It's like, Nope, I miss those when they're gone. I'm buying those every single week, you know, and, and thinking about produce more broadly. And, and you and I have talked about this, of course, but like on the health and nutrition messaging, how do we dial that into what that gives you today or tomorrow or for, you know, getting through the list of the the activities with the kids today or getting that snack for the kids after school today or tomorrow or making it, you know, near term, but where it's like, hey, this investment, it's an investment. That's what it is, right? Like that's not a cost of something that, you know, we buy begrudgingly. That's an investment that we're making in ourselves and in our families. And, and I think floral comes right into that too. But, you know, and that's, uh, you know, the big picture pie in the sky sort of thing, but it does get me fired up because you start to see it in your own life, the changes that that makes possible. And it's like, okay, how, how do we communicate that as the retailer, as the marketer, you know, in these different areas of the supply chain? Absolutely. And as I mentioned before, um, what a great segue to, uh, to have a, a future podcast on that relationship between departments such as produce and floral and a very, very strong, robust intercompany marketing team and or um, a very well-educated, thoughtful, experienced registered dietitian or nutritionalist that can uh, help plant that seed or make that message very readable to the average consumer and explain to them um, very quickly exactly what you were talking about before the investment in their future and the rest of their life basically Um, it's never too late to start and it's never too late to uh, be able to change and adapt to making a healthier you and i think we all found that out the hard way the last two years with the pandemic that uh, your health is is definitely critical and um, even though it was unexpected a healthy lifestyle and healthy living and eating healthy has become not only just a New Year's resolution, it's become top of mind in a way of life for a lot of people within these last couple of years that had a very difficult wake-up call thanks to the pandemic on uh, making that attempt to get healthy and stay healthy. So I think there's a lot of correlation and a lot of tie-in and a lot of quick and easy messaging that the average consumer just maybe takes for granted or doesn't even know at all, that would be very helpful to join partners with uh, other parts of the business and help tell that story better. Uh, From the produce department and the floral department, 
we can always do a better job with merchandising. We can always do a better job with featuring the right item in the right place of the store at the right price point on the right promotion. Uh, but we need a little additional help. And as I said before, another great topic for really sitting down and drilling into some of those possibilities that can take a, a simple item like uh, what was your what was your item of choice we kept looking at when we were going from store to store, the different the flavors of um, um, what was the tropical fruit item that we kept looking at? I'm forgetting what it was now. The dragon fruit. The yellow dragon fruit versus the red dragon fruit and some of those other areas. But <clears throat> what an ability to take an obscure item like a, a dragon fruit and tell that complete story and get a little bit of assistance from other parts of, of the business to do a great job telling the story and create uh, kind of a, a little bit of a excitement level and a following from customers because they're you're giving them that ability to understand something that uh, they might not have had a chance to in the past. So lots of opportunity to ultimately sell, 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 and to do it with some extra help from some other folks within the organization. Absolutely. Well, and, and you know this better than, than anyone, Scott. Of course, we talk about all these, you know, big ideas and, and cool different ways to do things. And I realized that, like, there are operational challenges here with some of these things, right? Like uh, uh, virtually everything is easier said than done, but I think it's so cool to just kind of, you know, step back and look at, well, what, what are the possibilities, right? Like what are the things that maybe we haven't done this before, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we can't experiment with it now. We can't start small with little things that we try here and there and see how they work. We scrap the ones that don't and, you know, yeah, but but Ashley, I think the timing is perfect for doing what you're saying. And I, I, I understand your very value, valid point. Um, probably the the biggest struggle right now within retail organizations is is the labor and uh, getting bodies to show up for work. But I think the uh, the last two years we've been over some of the biggest struggles and we've mastered how to survive the pandemic and how to um, keep and support frontline workers out in the stores and keep the stores stocked and rotated with fresh product. Uh, but I think we need to start thinking about a little farther. And even though we're a little bit still in survival mode right now and having difficulties with labor challenges, uh, to your point, we need to look into the future and find out what is going to be next for us. And um, once things start to plateau and level out a little bit more and normalcy is the true meaning of normalcy, um, we'll have that opportunity to be thinking out of the box and uh, little things from instructing a customer, giving them an idea of what to have for dinner tonight, all the way over to you know the nutritional values of that dragon fruit that we just talked about. Uh, those are going to become beneficial, along with uh, figuring out ways on how we can get the tastes of some of these wonderful items like your dragon fruit into the mouths of customers again and get back to sampling and the cross merchandising is some of the things that we used to do so great, you know, three or four years ago and to get uh, back into that swing of, of everyday life and to be thinking of a good, strong, positive future and moving away from, you know, the doldrums of these last two years that we've been through. Absolutely. Well, Scott, I think we'll wrap it up there for now as we've alluded to once or twice, lots of other takeaways and topics that we will hit in a future episode. So thank you so much. Oh my gosh, for for visiting all those stores with me. It was so great. And then awesome to 
break it down with you in real time there and then here again on the podcast. Yeah. And one last uh, piece of information for all the listeners out there. Um, what Ashley and I had a chance to do together uh, is something that anybody in retail or wholesale produce should be doing. And it's not uh, go to your store with your organization, but step out of the box a little bit and go to the competitors. And let's see what some of these mainstream companies from the Kroger's of the world and the Walmart's of the world and the Trader Joe's of the world are doing all the way down to some of the smaller formats and some of the smaller independent grocers that are out there. There's a ton of great ideas. Uh, every time I go, I'm you know, picking up a, a greatest hits list of all the cool things that are happening out in the world of retail produce and uh, taking those back to uh, other organizations and maybe putting a different spin on them or a slightly different look to them and repurposing them and making them work within other organizations. There's nothing wrong with ever stealing a great idea from another retailer. In fact, that retailer, that's a big compliment for them, for you to be thinking that that's a great idea or a great concept and want to be able to use it. And so all is fair in the world of retail. But if you have a chance, grab a friend and get out to a bunch of different retail competitors and retail stores that give you a different chance and a different perspective on fresh produce and the fresh floral department. It's a wonderful world out there and get out there and see it. 100%. Well, thank you again, Scott, for joining us. We want to thank everybody for, for listening today and um, feel free to rate and review. If you're enjoying these conversations, you can check out the archives as well. Some of our recent conversations have been on everything from the power of retail dietitians to seasonal resets, um, signaging best practices and a recent one with Scott actually was pricing strategy, which I got feedback was a, a very useful one, even for suppliers to listen to and hear some of the different considerations, you know, that go into it from, from the retail perspective of things. So, so thank you again, Scott, and thank you everyone. And we'll see everyone next week on the Furnace Retail Podcast.